So as I'm going through this message today, and this is the second sermon in the series, uh, don't worry, hashtag don't worry. If you're going to put something on social media, use the hashtag don't worry. If you want the sermon notes from this series or any sermon notes anytime, this is the uh, email address that you use. Just write us an email there and tell us what you want and we'll get it to you. We'll get you the manuscript, the, the notes of the sermon. So let's go to the words of Jesus. Let's go back to those words of Jesus today. Let's go to the book of Matthew. This is a very simple sermon today. But I want to tell you, even though it's simple, it is profound. If we can get the simple principle that I'm going to lay out today, if you can get this and you can plan it in your thinking process, it'll change your life. It'll change my life. It'll change all of us if we can think about Every single day, what I'm going to preach on, what I'm going to talk about today. So Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Jesus, the words of our Lord, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own real, genuine, actual worries. So don't reach into tomorrow, pull it into today. Today's trouble is enough for today, and the people said... Good word from Jesus right there. Last week we talked about what happens when we respond to the difficulties and disappointments of life as God would have us to. We talked about how from the life of Job we discovered that when you respond to difficulties and disappointments as God would have you to, you shut the enemy's mouth. You shut his mouth. I just love that, don't you? Number two, we found out that when we react to difficulty and disappointment the way God wants us to, it deepens our relationship with God. We talked about from Hebrews chapter 12 that when trouble comes, when disappointment comes, when pain and sorrow comes into our life, we can faint under it and go, I just give up. We can uh, get bitter about it. We can get angry and let it make us bitter. And I run into folks like that all the time. I know you do too. Or we can do what Paul says in Hebrews 12 when he said, be trained by it. Learn from your difficulties. Grow in the midst of your difficulties. Now, I don't know about you. I think I know about you. I'm, I definitely know about me. And that is <clears throat> that I do most of my growing in the time of trouble. I do most of my spiritual growing when I'm facing big challenges in my life. And that's just how it is. You know, when things are going well and everything's working out great, we have a tendency to kind of let off on our spiritual disciplines every day. We have a tendency to kind of, you know, cut back on some commitments we'd made, cut back on our prayer time or our fasting time or maybe even our church attendance. We cut back on serving. We cut back on doing a lot of other things because we're doing good, man. We're doing good. But boy, when trouble comes, when unexpected tragedy or, or the threat of some kind of devastation or the threat of some kind of big trouble comes in our life, oh boy, we're pressing in. Now, I got to tell you, I got to be honest with you, I'm like that too. I try to practice my disciplines no matter what situation of life I'm in. I really, I really work at that, and I, I have even notes to remind myself, you know, don't forget to pray, don't forget to fast, don't forget to do this and that, and stay, stay uh, where you need to be spiritually. So I struggle with those things, but boy, isn't it amazing that when we're going through trouble, we do not have to be reminded. 
We never have to be reminded to fall on our face. We never have to be reminded to fast. We never have to be reminded to get in our Bible. So when trouble comes, move toward God. Move toward God. Don't move away from God because it's really easy at the same time that I am drawn to God in the time of trouble if you feel overwhelmed, because sometimes what the enemy will do is he will just boom, 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 and it's one thing after another, and it's just relentless. And after a while, you just want to throw up your hands and go, I give up, or you want to get really mad because you become like that guy in Psalm 73, and we're not going to go there, but if you'll write that down, I want you to read that when you get home, because it is a picture of a Christian who everything he touched broke, and he was looking down the street at a guy who wasn't a believer, and everything he touched turned to gold. Who's ever felt like that? Who's ever felt like that? And the rest of you were lying, so you need to come right up to the altar after service. Because we've all felt like that. We've already, we've all gone, man, look at that guy. He never goes to church. He never reads his Bible. I mean, this guy in Psalm 73 just goes through and he says, he speaks against heaven. He speaks against God. He, he mocks heaven. And here I am trying to serve God. My life's falling apart. And this guy is doing all these things and he's got a two chariot garage. You know, he's got everything. The Bible, here's what it says in Psalm 73 He has everything his heart could wish. See, that's what the enemy will do. He'll get you thinking like that, and you can get bitter. This guy was bitter, but in that chapter, in verse 17, he gets right with God. And when he gets right with God, he begins to repent and say, God, I'm sorry. I got messed up in my perspective. I got messed up in how I was viewing things, and I, I apologize for that. And then the rest of that chapter, he is just crying out to God. And saying, God, I thank you that you love me. And, and I know sometimes it looks odd. It looks like I'm being defeated while the unbeliever is getting everything he wants. God, I'm so sorry for getting upset about that, getting angry about that. As a matter of fact, he said, I sounded like a dog howling at the moon. He said, I sounded like an animal just howling at you, fussing at you, arguing with you. And he said, I'm sorry. Because he didn't want to get bitter. I don't know why, but I just feel from the Holy Spirit I need to pause right there. Because I've said to you before that there is nothing, and that really brings us to the third thing we talked about last week, and that is when you react correctly to trouble, you glorify God. You glorify God. I'll say it. I've said it. I'm going to say it again. Nothing witnesses to an unbeliever more than the praising hands of a suffering saint. Did you hear what I said? Nothing impresses an unbeliever. Nothing has a more powerful impact on an unbeliever than a Christian who is suffering but says, I'm going to serve God, and I love God, and I don't blame this on God, and I know God's still with me. And they keep that sweet spirit that touches the, <coughs> excuse me, touches the heart of an unbeliever. So think about that. When you're about to react to something, unbelievers are watching. Well, let me just add this on the end of that. When you get bitter as a Christian, when you get bitter because you think you were passed over or you think you were treated unfairly or you 
think you were treated with injustice or you think God's been unfair to you that you've had more sickness than other people and you don't understand why and you've had a loss and you don't understand why. I had a conversation with somebody yesterday and that person has just a, been a Christian a long, long time but recently had a major loss in his family. And he was standing there telling me, I don't understand. I don't understand why God. And I'm like, brother, come on, man. All you've got to do to understand is go back to Genesis. We live in a sin-cursed environment. The Bible says bad things happen to the just and bad things happen to the unjust. It's life. It's going to happen. Wonderful Beautiful, awesome things are going to happen to some very bad people. And terrible, awful things are going to happen to some very good people. It's just the world we live in. You can't let it make you bitter because not only is the unbeliever watching when a Christian praises God in the time of trouble, but an unbeliever is really watching when a so-called Christian becomes bitter because life's been unfair. I'm preaching up in here today. I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you. <clears throat> I mean, I'd love to be able to stand up here and tell you like some of these preachers, you know, that if you've got enough faith and you trust God enough and you read your Bible enough and you really press into God and you fast enough, man, you're just going to, God's going to isolate you in this bubble and you're going to prosper and you're never going to be sick and you're always going to have everything you want. And the only reason you don't have everything you want is because you just don't have your faith level high enough. If you get your faith level up, you can have everything you want. All that sounds good. One thing wrong with it. What is it? Not true. You say, well, do you think those guys are Christians? Yes, I do. I disagree with them on that. And I think they've taken uh, the scriptures out of context. But I love them. I love them. And when we're going up in the rapture, I'll go, told you, told you, told you. <laughs> you, know, you know what I've noticed about most preachers who preach that stuff? They're isolated from people. So they don't have to be, can I preach like this? They don't have to be with suffering people. They don't have to have close contact with suffering people. They're kind of in their ivory tower, so it's easy to preach that kind of stuff. And really, when you say, sending me an offering is going to make you better, whew, I'm allergic to lightning. Every time it hits me, I'll break out all over. <laughs> so I don't say stuff like that because I'm just, you know... I mean, I know God's merciful, but I'm like, boom, you know, when you say stuff like that, when you teach stuff like that. What city am I the mayor of? Realville, baby. I'm not going to stand up here, and I didn't mean to preach all this today, so I'm not charging you nothing extra for this. This is free. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you guys the truth. You're going to fast and pray and press into God and go through trouble at the same time. It's just how it is. But I have to tell you this. I'm way more blessed than I am burdened. Amen, amen. I think that's good enough right there, don't y'all? But I got some more right here I want to just share with y'all. So today and in the rest of this sermon series, I want to talk to you about the impact that worry has on our lives. And this is what I want to talk to you about today. Worry robs us of God's daily blessings. 
If you are a pessimist, what's the southern word for pessimist? Worry wart, exactly. Who, who never heard of worry wart before? Welcome to the south. Worry robs us of God's daily blessings. That's what I want to talk to you about today, and then I'm done. Throughout our daily lives, throughout our daily lives, Monday, going to get up in the morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, throughout each day, God in his um, unimaginable, incomprehensible, infinite love is mixing in your life a very delicate balance. I want you to think about this. Each and every day, God gives all of us a certain amount of burdens to bear. Every day. Every day. So if you get up one day and go, I don't think I'm going to have any burdens to bear today. Oh, yeah, you will. Because what did Jesus say in the Scripture? He said, every day has what? Trouble. So every day there's going to be burdens. And each and every day, though, listen to this, there's going to be blessings. There's going to be blessings in your life every day. Every single day, blessings are going to come into your life. Every single day, burdens are going to come into your life. And God knows just how to give them. And God knows just how to divide them. And God is just creating this delicate balance in my life every day and in Millie's life every day and in your life every single day. God balances the burdens and the blessings of our daily lives. So when you make the decision on your own as a human, apart from God, to reach into tomorrow and bring not trouble, but possible trouble. It's not trouble yet, is it? Because we're not there yet. But when you reach into the future and you bring potential burdens into today, then what you've done is just messed up God's balance in your life. When you worry about a negative event that might happen, when you worry about a trouble that could come, then this blinds you. It blinds you to the blessings of God so that you're not able to see God's goodness in your life on that day. You're not able to see God's generosity because, listen to me, every day there's trouble. And every day there's blessing. And when you reach into tomorrow and you pull potential troubles into today, you blind yourself of the blessings of that day. And then it begins to spiral. And it gets worse and worse and worse until you reach out to your small group or you reach out to your Christian friend or you reach out to your Christian family or you just go home and lock all your doors and fall on your face before God and go, God, I'm sinking. I'm sinking. I feel myself sinking. I feel myself just buying into this thing of, of worrying about tomorrow and I know, God, you're blessing me today and I can't see it. And when I can't see the blessings you're pouring into my life today, I'm going to get bitter, I'm going to get angry, I'm going to get depressed, I'm going to throw up my hands, I'm going to give up. Jesus said it, every day has its trouble. But we need to read the whole Bible because not only does every day have a daily dose of difficulties, it has a daily dose of blessing. You say, well, where is that in the Bible? I see where Jesus says that we've got trouble every day. Boy, I've nailed that one down. I believe that. 
Where is it in the Bible that it says we have daily blessings? I'm glad you asked. Let's look in Psalms 68, 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with how often? Loads us with what? Every day. Jesus said every day there's going to be trouble. David said every day there's going to be benefits. Everyday trouble, everyday benefits. And God just works this delicate balance into our life. And we are so guilty of messing that up. I am. I am. I mess it up all the time. And I just have to remember, all right, Farrell, stop, dude, stop. I mean, isn't it amazing that we can sit, I'll just talk about myself. How many of you dudes out there got your recliner? Amen. I, now, they're going to be in heaven. They're going to be in heaven. Amen. I'm, I'm laying in my recliner. I'm looking at my flat screen TV. I'm sitting in heat if it's cold, air conditioning if it's hot. If I want something to drink, I walk around the corner. There's this big metal box full of food and something to drink. I can just reach in there and get that. If it's too cold, I just pop it in this other machine, press a couple buttons, warms it up. And then I go back and sit in my chair and go, whoa, it's me. Whoa, it's me. Isn't it the truth? See, if you're not alert, you can get to be so much of a pessimist. If you're not alert, if you don't wake up to this, you can get to be so much of a worry wart that you focus so much on imaginary difficulties that you fail to receive God's appointed blessings he has for you today. On the other hand, God just can't just bless us, and God can't just put difficulties on us. We've got to have both. You say, well, I just want all sunshine all the time. Well, let me tell you what all sunshine does. It makes a desert. Who's been to Arizona in August? If you just want a little taste of what hell might be like, Man, Millie and I went to Arizona in August, and it was 115 degrees. But it was dry heat. <laughs> I always heard, oh, it's dry heat. It's fine. It was insane. We stayed in our hotel room. We'd never been to Arizona and peeped out the window. so hot because all sunshine makes a you can't even have grass in your yard you have to have pretty rocks a cactus it's crazy man you say well I don't want all rain no you don't because all rain makes a swamp when you got all sunshine nothing can grow develop or be beautiful when you've got all rain it's not beautiful either but when you get a balance of sunshine and you get a balance of rain, when you get a balance of positive things in your life and you get a balance of some difficulties in your life, when you get a positive, um, when you get a balance of, of blessing and a balance of burdens, you know what that creates? A garden. A beautiful garden in your life. A garden of joy that develops joy in your life. You, you learn how to be joyful no matter what the circumstances. It also creates in you a garden of character. 
You learn character when you go through difficult times. So that's why it's so important, guys. And I won't talk about your nature here just a little bit. Our nature is to worry. Our nature is not to think positively. Our nature is to worry. Our nature is to think the worst. Our nature is to, you know, just stew in what could happen. So that's why you've got to press into God and go, God, I know my human nature is to think the negative thing, so God, I need you to help me by the power of your Holy Spirit. Draw me near to you, God, so I can see things the way you see them. So I can view my life through your eyes. One of the reasons we get so discouraged is because we depend on our own ability, we depend on our own skills, we depend on our own willpower to have a a right perspective on life. Look, your nature is not to have the right perspective on life. Your nature is to have a skewed perspective on life. Your nature is to focus on the negative. So what you need is the power of the Holy Spirit in your life to help you see things the way God sees things. Now listen carefully to what I'm about to say. That can only begin when you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. If you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you haven't come to Jesus and said, I need a Savior and there's only one and it's you, Lord. And I know it's you because you died on the cross and gave your life for me. They buried you in a tomb, but you rose from the dead so that you could give me eternal life. And so, Lord Jesus, I want to give you my life. I'm asking you, Lord, adopt me into your family today because I need you to help me deal with my nature to go in the wrong direction with my thoughts. I need you, Lord Jesus. Now, I want, I want, I want to really be clear here. Have you received Christ as your personal Savior? I'm not up here today using these scriptures to give you a motivational speech. This isn't a motivational speech on thinking positively. You're never going to have the mindset God wants you to have until you surrender your mind and your heart and your soul and your being to the person of Jesus Christ. You need to repent of your sins. You say, do you, do you mean repent of my sins and then I won't ever sin again? No, you'll sin again and you'll need to repent then too. But you want to repent of your sins and come to Jesus and surrender your life to Jesus. And that is when the Holy Spirit can begin to work in your life and cause you to have a God perspective. Now, those of you who have received Jesus Christ, I want to tell you that your nature is to drift away from him. What does the song say that we sing all the time? Everybody say it with me. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's our nature. What did Isaiah say? He said, all we like have what? Gone astray. We, it is our nature to go away from God, not to go toward God. So those of you who have received Christ, I want you to do an evaluation of your life today. And I want you to think about how you've been thinking recently. And if you've been thinking negatively and you've been angry or you've been like, I want to just give up, then I want to tell you something. You've been drifting in the wrong direction and you've probably drifted further than you realize you have. And you need to come back. You need to come back to God because it is only under the shadow of the Almighty that we have the right perspective on life. You know how I know that? Because I struggle every day. I have that war every day just like you. 
I can feel myself when I'm getting down. I can feel myself when I'm getting a little angry and a little agitated. And it's because I've gotten my eyes on something that hadn't even happened yet, and I've pulled it into today, and I can't see God's blessings in my life. Because it's a delicate balance of daily burdens and daily blessings. Have you noticed that some people just can't enjoy life because their nature is always to anticipate that bad thing that might happen. Here's what one lady said. She said, I always feel bad when I'm feeling good because I know this means I'll probably feel bad later. Come on. You're going, I don't really get that. Come on. How many of you, when something really, really, really good happens in your life, you go, oh, Lord. You don't enjoy it. You don't go, oh my gosh, this is awesome, and just bask in it for three or four days. You go, something's coming, something's coming. <laughs> y'all like that, I, I don't know, how many of y'all remember the Smurfs? You remember there was one Smurf? He kind of had a cloud over him all the time and kept saying things like, we'll never make it. This will never work. That guy. And when you feel that, when you sense that spirit coming over you, when you you got to alert yourself. you got to wake up. you got to ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, when I begin to drift into that mindset, when I begin to drift into that perspective, let the alarm clock go off. Let that alarm go off in my head and go, that's not God. That's not God. What does the Bible say in Romans 12, 1 and 2? It says that you have to submit your mind to God. A transformation of the mind. That's where the battle is, guys, really. The battle's in, in our mind. It's in our, our thinking. Good people who just always look forward to feeling bad. They're like an accident waiting for somewhere to happen. I constantly see people standing neck deep in God's blessings. I constantly see people. Sometimes it's me. I see people standing neck deep in God's miraculous provisions for their life, but they never get to enjoy it because they're always anticipating the worst. I heard a story about this young couple who went to see their pastor. They both had been weeping, the pastor could tell, and once they started talking, the tears began to flow again. When the pastor saw this, he dreaded what he was about to hear, and he began to pray and say, God, give me wisdom. I know what they're about to tell me is a horrible, horrible thing. I can tell that it's just devastating. Lord, please give me the wisdom. They had a precious little baby with them, healthy baby, boy. And the pastor said, please tell me, go ahead, what's wrong? And the young father said this, and, it's a, and what he said is a serious thing. Some of you may be in this position. He said, I've lost my job. And I've looked so hard, and I cannot find another one. And pastor, we're going to lose everything we have. The pastor said, now wait a minute. He said, let's think about this. Let's think it through. Let's get the right perspective on what's going on. He said, let me ask you a question. He said, first of all, let me ask you guys this. How much do you appreciate and love living in the United States of America? And the man said, well, I don't know what you mean by that. I mean, I was born here. It's, it's great. I he said, well, I've been reading in the paper, the pastor did. He said, I've been reading in the paper and watching the news about people who are trying to get out of Cuba and get here. 
I'm reading about people who are trying to get out of Mexico and get here. I'm reading about people who are trying to get out of Europe and get here, out of middle, uh, the Middle East and get here, out of all of Asia and get here. And these people are leaving all of their possessions. And sometimes they even leave their families behind so they can come and get established here and get enough money to send for their families. He said, you know what I found out? And the young couple said, what? He said, I found out that some of these people in the country they were in were very, very wealthy. But they were willing to give up all of that wealth to come here to America and start all over again. He said, you know, it means a lot, the young father did, for me to live here. I love living here. I'm thankful to live here. The pastor knew he hadn't quite got through. He said, let me ask you another question. He said, you look healthy. Are you healthy? The husband said, yes, sir, I, I, I'm healthy. And the pastor asked the wife. He said, are you healthy? She said, yes, sir, I, I'm healthy. The pastor asked, well, what about that little baby you got there in your arms? Is that little baby healthy? And they said, yes, sir, he, he's healthy. The pastor said, well, I know a multimillionaire right now who if he could give you all of his riches for your health, he would do it right now. He would do it right now. He said, I want to ask you something. Would you take his money and never have to work another day in your life if you could give him your health, but you would have to take his health? And they said, oh, no, sir. We'd never do that. And the pastor said, so you're telling me that your health is worth more than that man's millions of dollars? And they said, yes, sir. The pastor said, you're young. Let me ask you this. He said, I'm an old guy. He said, uh, what if I wanted to buy some of your years? What if I could go into my bank account, get a million, two million dollars, write you a check, and buy 10 years of your life? Would you sell me that since you're so young? They said, no, sir, we wouldn't sell you any years of our life. We, we wouldn't sell you any time. We, we thank God for every day of the life we've been given. The pastor said, well, let me just close with this. Are you in love with that little girl right there holding that baby? That husband said, oh, man. He said, I love her so much. He said, do you love that little baby? He said, yes, sir. He said, how about you? Do you love that gentleman right there? She said, more than my own life. How about that little baby you're holding? You love that little baby? And the mom and the wife said, oh, my, I can't even, I can't even describe how much I love her. <clears throat> and, the, and the pastor said, well, let me ask you something. Sir. Would you sell your wife to get your financial house in order? He said, no, sir, never. She said, he said, would you sell your husband? She said, of course not. They said, he said, would you, would you sell the baby? And they said, no, no. And the pastor said, well, I don't guess you guys are as poor as you thought you were. I don't guess your life is as devastated as you thought it was. I, don't, I guess you're far richer than you ever dreamed. And they stood up and they hugged each other and they smiled and they walked out. There are people all over this world, and sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's me who have the same perspective this couple had when they walked in the pastor's office. Now, I'm not saying that guy's problem wasn't real. And, I wasn't, and I'm not saying that he shouldn't have got on his knees and prayed and began to cry out to God. I'm not saying that he wasn't in a bad spot. But I'm telling you, when you take time to look around, even in your darkest, worst times, if you just look, the blessings always outweigh the burdens.
God always is blessing you in ways you can't see. Let me close with this. Worry doesn't take the pain out of tomorrow. Never. It only takes the joy out of today. Worry never helped anybody. Worry never accomplished anything. It never takes the pain out of tomorrow. It only ruins today. Everybody say, help me, Jesus. I need help there. I need help there. Pastor, have you ever worried so much you ruined today? Oh, my goodness. I would lie and tell you no, but Millie will be in church in just a little while. And she'll tell you, yes, he has. Yes, I struggle. I go through this. I have this same battle that you guys have, but we've got to learn to keep our head up. Here's what you do. Listen, this is simple. Just a few little steps. Pause. Get by yourself and pause. You might need paper and pen because the weakest ink is better than the strongest memory. Look around you. Think for a little while. Recognize the blessings of your life. Count your blessings and begin to write them down. You'll be surprised at what the Lord has done in your life in the past, what he is doing. And you know what? Instead of looking into the future and seeing what's bad, you'll look into the future and say, you know what? I believe something good's about to happen to me. And here's what they told them in the Old Testament and all through the Bible. They said, you're facing a bad time in the future. You're facing a big enemy in the future. Just look back at what God did last time this happened. You remember what God did last time you faced this battle? And people, they went, yeah, we, we, we do remember. Then you know what he's going to do. If you'll come forward in faith, you know what he's going to do when you face this next one. Some people just don't want to do that. I heard about a lady who, um, picking on the ladies today, she was complaining about her problems, and somebody said, well, you need to try to look on the bright side. She said, let me tell you something. I'm not going to look on the bright side because if God gave me tribulation, he wants me to tribulate. I don't even think that's a word, is it? I don't think tribulate's a verb. If God gave me tribulation, God doesn't want me walking around with a big old... A hopeful grin on my face. God wants me to tribulate. I know people who believe that and practice it. Here's the question. Here's the question you got to ask yourself. Am I allowing, am I allowing worry to rob me? Ask yourself of today's blessings. Are you? Let's bow our head. Lord, I've preached on something today that I'm so guilty of. I've stood up here today and declared your truth and the whole time I've been declaring it, I've been under conviction because I know I fail in this. I know I do. God, I just ask you to let your Holy Spirit blow across this congregation like wind on a wheat field. And I pray that we will reach out to you, some of us, have fallen so deeply into this way of thinking that we're going into depression. We're becoming paralyzed because fear paralyzes. Fear causes worry, and fear that causes worry 
brings paralysis. And God, there are people sitting here, they don't know whether to move forward, they don't know whether to move backward, they don't know what to do because they're struggling with that balance of blessing and burden. And they're guilty of instead of in the day in which they're living, seeing the blessings of God, they see only the burdens. And not only that, they reach into the future and bring potential burdens into today. And it blinds them. It robs them of today's blessings. Father, open our eyes. Open our eyes. Open our eyes. Let Romans 12, 1 and 2 happen in this house today by the power of your Holy Spirit. Let our minds, our thinking process, let it be transformed by your Holy Spirit. You know what? I want everybody to stand. Just stand with me today. We're going to do something, we're going to do something that we don't usually do. You're a Christian, but you're struggling today with that. You love God. If you were to pass from this life right now, you go to heaven. You're ready to meet God, but you're struggling. You're struggling. I want everybody to just bow their head, close their eyes. If you're struggling, I want you to do something for me. I want you to walk up here. I want you to step out from where you are and walk right up here. Say, I'm struggling. I love God. I know God loves me, but I'm having a battle. I'm having a war. I appreciate you guys being so honest. Come on. Come on. Say, God, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this, God. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the enemy winning the battle and causing me to just not see your blessing in my life and causing me not to just look at the burdens that do exist, but even thinking up burdens and, and, and bringing them into my life when they're not even here yet. I don't even have them yet, but I, I bring them into my life as if they're real and they're not even real. See, God honors honesty, man. He honors when you drop your pride and you walk up here and you say, I'm battling, I'm battling with that. I'm going to ask my prayer team, I'm going to ask my staff, I'm going to ask any of those who are available, will you come now and will you get in behind these? Will you just come, prayer team, staff, anybody who's available uh, to pray that's on staff? Church, I want you to do something for me. Some of you, some of you wanted to come, but you're like, Pastor, I just can't. I just can't do that in front of everybody. That's okay. That's okay. It's not like God's looking at you going, well, since you didn't go up there, I'm not going to. He'll bless you right there where you are. Here's what I want you guys to do in your seat. I want you to do this for me. Everybody stretch your hand toward these people. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and for the glory of God, these people have walked up here today so honest, so honest, so transparent, and they're not, they're not allowing the enemy to cause their pride to keep them from saying, I need ministry, I need help, I need healing. But they walked right up here in front of you and everybody. And they said, I need victory in this area of my life. God, I could be standing in this altar today. I could be standing right there beside everybody else because I war with it myself. And God, I pray that you renew our minds. Just pray that prayer right now. Lord, renew my mind. Transform my mind. Holy Spirit, 
I submit to you. See, you might be up here in the altar, or you might be back there at your seat, and you haven't really surrendered to Jesus Christ. Remember I talked about that earlier? Just right now, right there where you are, go, Lord Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my life to you. I want you to adopt me this morning into your family. I want to be adopted. I want to be saved. I want to be one of your children, Lord. I'm I'm tired of being an alien. God, I want to be one of your children. And I'm asking you, Lord, to take over my life. Save me from my sins. I know you died on the cross for me. I know you rose from the dead for me. I know that was for me. And Lord, I'm not running from you anymore. I stop running right now. And I receive you, Lord Jesus. I embrace you, Lord Jesus. Like Jacob in the book of Genesis, I'm putting my arms around you right now. And Lord, I want to live my life for you. And I know one of the reasons I struggle with my thinking is that I don't live for you. So God, I want to live for you. Those of you who are Christians, I want you to pray, Holy Spirit, you are more powerful than my will. You are more powerful than Satan. Holy Spirit, you are God. You are more powerful than any other force in my life. And I surrender to you. I surrender, Holy Spirit, to your power and your strength in my life so I can begin to think process my life the way you want me to. Thank you, Father. Thank you so much. I know you've heard me. In Jesus' name. Everybody said...